Well, good morning, Greenwich. It's good to greet you on this last day of the month, Friday, July 31st. I hope as you look back on uh, July of 2020 that you will find that God has been working in your life, that you have found a faith and hope and love growing, and that uh, not only these times, times of worship and your own study uh, have been meaningful uh, to you to help draw you closer to Christ. I'd like to share a morning psalm, Psalm 31. And this, uh, this also shows up on day one. Okay, and So the way the 31st of the month gets framed out in our little reading plan. This is for the director of music, a psalm of David. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails me because of my affliction. My bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors. I am a dread to my friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I am forgotten by them as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear the slander of many. There is terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I have cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and lie silent in the grave. Let their lying lips be silenced, for with pride and contempt they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you bestow in the sight of men on those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence you hide them from the intrigues of men, in your dwelling you keep them safe from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord, for he has showed his wonderful love to me when I was in a besieged city. In my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord.
may it be so. May we be strong and take heart. I think at least one of these verses may have sounded familiar. Uh, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Uh, redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. When Jesus was on the cross, he cried out at the last. And so he was carrying this psalm on his lips, and it has that feel to it. People plotting. Now this is David's psalm, but people plotting to take his life, uh, being pursued by the enemy. And so this uh, turning ourselves over to the Lord um, uh, you are my God, my times are in your hands. And so this sense of trust that the Psalms help to uh, develop within us. And so you have not handed me over to the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. That one of the, the, the senses of salvation, the meaning of salvation biblically from the Hebrew is this, this um, getting us out of the tight spot, out into the wide open spaces, uh, the sense of deliverance. And so... Uh, this psalm carries that uh, that sense to it. And then this was being prayed on the cross. And so we continue. Theology 203 is kind of the impact of the cross in our lives. How to, as we follow Jesus, uh, I've offered this language of the cross-shaped life or the cruciform life. As we pick up our cross and follow him, this dying to ourself and our own self-interest, um, this sense uh, of, of um, the, the, the death of Christ working in our own lives in um, concrete ways. The, the, the kind of life that we are called to. So uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, um, our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we ought not, the cross changes the way we look at people. We no longer look according to the flesh or in a worldly perspective. Uh, and then First Peter yesterday, that being, being willing to bear unjust suffering as Christ had setting us an example. Today what I want to do, I, I want to actually revisit something we looked at last week because uh, I think it's significant, particularly for the, the, the cultural moment that we are in. So just, just to kind of recall a little theological understanding that we've already gone over, the overarching story of the Bible, uh, our Bible is organized according to two covenants. We also call them testaments, but really old covenant, new covenant, okay? This overarching story, so you've got the creation story, the goodness of creation being made in God's image, the fall, uh, chapter 3 of Genesis, and the impact uh, on our lives. And then God enters into a covenant with Abraham really early in the story, Genesis chapter 12. And so there's kind of 11 chapters of kind of backstory. And then chapter 12, the covenant with Abraham. So God separates Abraham's family. So Israel is Abraham's uh, grandson, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's name is changed to Israel. So Israel then has 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And so God separates Israel from all other peoples who come to be known as the Gentiles, the Goyim. God sequesters Israel. I don't know if that's the best word, but it's a, it, hopefully it catches some understanding. God kind of hides them. He protects them. He hems them in. He sequesters them until the time of Messiah. Because the promise to Abraham is that through you, Abraham, I am going to bless 
all people. So I will bless you, and through you, then I will bless all peoples on earth. And so he sets one family aside, one people aside, so that he can bless all peoples. Okay, this is, this is what the scriptures reveal. This is the plan. And so the Gentiles, in a sense, are excluded. Okay, they're, they're excluded from the covenant, and then they're brought into the new covenant through Messiah, through Jesus. So Abraham's family brings forth the Christ, the Messiah, and then through Christ, all peoples. And so he commissions his followers after his resurrection. He says, go into all the nations, all nations, ethnos, go to all peoples and proclaim this, this good news. And so what I want to revisit is this passage from Ephesians 2, okay, and some of the impact, and as a, those who are following Jesus Christ, the impact of the cross, and then that, that, how that shapes our lives as well. So, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning verse 11, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that is done in the body by the hands of men, so that circumcision is the sign of the covenant community for Abraham. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Okay, so the blood of Christ does something. There's a, a transformation here. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two, that is Jew and Gentile, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Okay? And so the cross does something. Okay? And so the Mosaic regulations kept Jews and Gentiles apart. And so there were law, laws preventing intermarriage. And so Abraham's family was not to marry outside the family. Okay? They did sometimes, but they weren't supposed to, okay? And so there were mosaic regulations, the, the dietary restrictions, um, staying separate from Gentiles, the sacrificial system, etc. And so Jews and Gentiles were kept apart. That division was symbolized by a dividing wall in the temple, okay? So Gentiles, are, the, the god fears there was a way for them to convert, as it were, but they were still, they were Gentile converts. And so, and so the court of the Gentiles, they had to stay at a distance, okay? And so there was physically a dividing wall. And so that symbolizes the, the dividing wall of the Mosaic law, the Mosaic regulation. So it was God's intention to keep Jew and Gentile apart, okay? So that, that wasn't man's invention. That was God's uh, intention and desire, okay? So Christ's death comes and inaugurates the new covenant. So Mosaic legislation all belongs to the old covenant, okay? And so in the new covenant, we ethnic divisions are now eliminated, okay? In Christ, it says elsewhere, there's no Jew nor Greek, 
okay? So the Jew-Gentile distinction is a temporary reality until such a time as Messiah comes. In the New Covenant, ethnic division uh, is, is eliminated. And so <clears throat> what is revealed here is God's plan that the church would be a one single multiracial, if you could say it that way, that, that's some of today's language, a multiracial community that is united in Christ. God's plan, as we read in Ephesians, uh, his purpose was to create in himself, that is, Jesus was going to create in himself in a relationship that he's going to have with others, one new man or humanity out of the two. And so Jew and Gentile, that distinction that, that God had erected through the Mosaic legislation symbolized by the temple, that is now removed. You remember at the death of Christ, the, the, the uh, curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. That holy of holies where only the high priest could go on the day of atonement. We talked about that last week in our uh, talking about the sacrificial system. And so all, all that symbolism in the temple there, all the sacrificial system, it's done away with. There's no more need for animal sacrifices because the Lamb of God has been sacrificed. And so the cross ends that Old Testament sacrificial system. It ends the Old Covenant Mosaic legislation. It, it, it removes the distinction between Jew and Gentile. Now there's just people, okay? But you've got centuries and centuries of Jew-Gentile division, and this becomes a challenge. And so God's plan is to make out of the two, Jew and Gentile, one new family, new humanity. Let me read uh, Revelation chapter 5. And this is an important passage, probably worth memorizing. So this is John's vision, uh, uh, the, the heavenly vision. <clears throat> and so he's in the throne room, and there is a lamb who appears to have been slain, who is now uh, worthy to open the scroll, okay? Uh, make sense of the scriptures. There's a whole other study uh, that we need to do there. And so they sang, okay, speaking of the living creatures uh, and the elders that are gathered uh, around the throne of God. And they sang a new song. You are worthy, you the Lamb, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them, that is every, every uh, tribe, language, people, nation, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. This is dramatic language from a Jew-Gentile standpoint because God had said, you, the Jews, you are to be a kingdom of priests. And so the, the Jews think they are the chosen ones. They're the only ones that God cares about. That's where they went astray. Privilege was given to Abraham's family so that they might fulfill their responsibility of being a light to the Gentiles. So God's plan all along was that all people would be that kingdom. All people would be priests, that it would be in relationship uh, with God. And so that had been lost somewhere along the way in the centuries uh, of uh, biblical history in Judaism. It forms this very hard and kind of inward-looking 
um, reality. And so Revelation 5.9 kind of affirms this as John has this vision of heaven. There you have the Lamb receiving worship, that is Jesus receiving worship, because with his blood, with the cross, he purchased men from every tribe and language, people and nation. We would call that a multiracial experience, okay? And so God's vision is that his people, his new covenant people, would be one family. And so it's made up of all races, all tribes, all languages, okay? And so the cruciform life, that life that we are embarked on, taking up our cross and following him, having the same attitude of Christ Jesus, the attitude of Jesus is that he's come for all peoples, that his death will break down this dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, which is the, the key deep division, okay? And so the cruciform life affirms the dignity of all peoples, all races, both from the standpoint of being made in the image of God and then because of the cross, because with the cross, Christ purchases. That, that's, that's the language of redemption, okay? And so purchasing men... Uh, humans, people, from every language and tribe and nation. And so, positively, we affirm the dignity of all peoples as image bearers and those for whom Christ died. And then we renounce any form of racial or ethnic supremacy. We know that is not true. And so, ideas that, 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 that try to lift up one race as superior to another race are antithetical to the crucified life, to, to the Christian life. And so any notion of white supremacy or any notion of any other race or skin color being supreme over others, it, we renounce all forms of that. So we affirm the dignity of all peoples and we renounce uh, all forms of racial or ethnic su supremacy or superiority. Now, th that kind of language is what's bubbling around and churning around in our society right now. And so, because of the cross, we no longer look at people with a worldly point of view, okay? To look at people primarily according to their race or their ethnicity is a denial of the gospel, okay? That, that, that is not the gospel. <laughs> the gospel looks and sees people and the skin color, the language, the tribe, the customs, the dress is irrelevant. We see, for such Christ died. <laughs> for such as these, Jesus gave his life. And as Christians, and we live towards that ideal. We live towards that um, experience, believing what is we read in particularly Revelation chapter 5, that that is going to be a reality. God is making that to be so. So the church, in its many expressions around the world, it's one family, one body. We affirm a holy Catholic church, okay? There was but one holy Catholic apostolic church. This is the language of our creeds, our Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed. And so wherever Jesus Christ is proclaimed and embraced and believed and loved and worshipped and followed, there you have the church, 
not the Presbyterian church and the Methodist church and the Baptist church or a white church and a black church and an Asian church and a Native American church. You have the church. It's that simple. And that's what we affirm in our creeds, in our confessions, in our belief in the scriptures, and in the cruciform life. So we die to any notion of racial superiority or supremacy. And so we affirm, we affirm the unity that, God, that this church, God's plan is to make out of the many, make one. Here's the challenge. <clears throat> the prevalence and tenacity of the Jew and Gentile struggle as we read about in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, tells us this is not an easy issue. They struggled to get it right. And so, so almost every one of the New Testament letters and the Gospels has this tension built in or woven in. What do we do with the Gentiles? How do we welcome them in? Because the, the first believers, the first followers, were all Abraham's descendants. And they still, even into the game, uh, Acts chapter 10, Peter it, it has this call to go to Cornelius, a Roman centurion, a Gentile, and then he proclaims the gospel. Cornelius and his household come to faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit falls upon them, and Peter's going, I now get it. God does not show favoritism. So even after Pentecost, even after the gospel is beginning to spread, and, and, and so we're, we're, Peter still hasn't understood <laughs> that the Gentiles are coming in to the family, that they're part of the new covenant. Even at Pentecost, all he saw was Jews being converted, so he didn't have any sense that it was Gentiles. It was still the sense of, we're the privileged. Isn't that interesting? It's so important. And so the tenacity and the prevalence of that Jew-Gentile tension in the church, uh, in the early church, tells us this is not easy. To, to, to form a church of racial, a multiracial um, family is hard. It's because of sin. Because we do tend to give preference to our group, the in-group. Whether it be um, my tribe, the, the, the team I follow, um, the color of my skin, the view I hold on some social or, or political issue, we tend to, that sin, the traces of sin are still in us. And so we do tend to give preference to the in-group, and, and obviously skin color is one of those. But the church renounces that. We affirm the unity of all people. And so the cruciform life says we go, we're willing to do the hard work and to enter into that work of fashioning and forming racial unity within the church. The challenge is, how do we play this out within the context of civil society, which does not seek a unity in Jesus Christ? That's, that's a genuine challenge that we're going to explore in the four, our, our Theology 400 series, okay? And so after we do Father, Son, Spirit... Uh, we're going to turn to kind of the church in the world and how we live out some of these realities. But, but this, I, I just kind of wanted to revisit that. It's so important um, that what happened in, in the scriptures and what the cross of Jesus Christ does. And then we pick up our cross and we do that hard work. We die to ourselves and any attitudes we may have that tends to give preference to my group be it my skin color, okay? As Christians, 
we reject that. We renounce that, that my skin color is better than your skin color or that your skin color is better than my skin color. We, no, Jesus Christ makes us one. So I wanna, I'll, I'll close there. Uh, then we'll, we'll gather again tomorrow on Saturday and kind of wrap up these thoughts. And then just administratively, just a reminder, I'm going to be uh, out of the office next week. I'm not going anywhere, but doing, doing a little work around the house and take a week of vacation. And so we'll just push the pause button and then we'll come, up, come back a week from Monday uh, and we will uh, pick up our Theology 300 series, okay? Let's close with prayer. Our God, we thank you for Jesus Christ in whom all peoples, tribes, languages, nations find a home, find a family. And we thank you that in Christ the dividing walls are broken down. As you broke down the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile, so continue to break down every barrier, every dividing wall that separates humans from humans and give to us as your people the grace the humility the courage the compassion the strength the love the wisdom to know how to live this in our world in these moments and so father cause your face to shine upon us may your favor rest with us this day as we head into this weekend as we close uh, another month we thank you for your faithfulness and as we Turn the calendar tomorrow morning. We trust that you will meet us afresh and new and that good things await us in the month of August as we continue to seek and follow you. And so, Lord, we bless you and thank you in the strong and loving name of our Lord Jesus Christ who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. May God's face shine upon you this day and forevermore.